And I hope that you've been encouraged by the series. Uh, honestly, I hope you've been challenged a, a little bit by it. And in case you happen to miss the first two weeks, I just want to quickly kind of catch you up on what we've covered and, and where we've been. So in the first week, we talked about getting the right mindset. And so we, we laid the foundation that really it's all about having the right mindset when it comes to getting right with God and money. And we learned that true wealth is godliness with contentment. The Bible says that is true wealth. And I, I've seen that firsthand. I know that the richest people I know are the people who are walking closely with God and who are content with where God has them. And they may not have the most stuff, but I can tell you they have a joy and a satisfaction and a contentment that money cannot buy. That is true wealth. Then last week we talked about attacking debt, and we gave some very practical tools that you can use if you find yourself kind of under the burden of debt. And I, I hope that encouraged you. I hope if you find yourself kind of digging out from underneath some debt, that that, that gave you some hope, that that encouraged you, and that you'll start using some of those practical tools. And then today we're going to wrap this up by looking at the gift of giving. Now, I just want to make sure before we get into today's topic, though, that we stress again why we're doing this series. I can promise you we are not doing this series because we want something from you. We're doing this series because we want something for you. We want you to have that full and abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. And the reality is it's impossible to have that kind of rich and satisfying life if we don't get God and money right. If pursuing wealth is our primary goal, like we talked about in week one, we are not going to have that kind of rich and satisfying life. But when we get that right, it leads to peace. It leads to contentment. It leads to joy. And I know that's true because God's word says that it's true. But I also know that it's true because I've experienced it firsthand. I would say chances are pretty good that most of you in here make more money than I do. And I, I'm not saying that to complain. I feel very blessed. Alpine is very generous. I can't honestly believe I get paid anything to tell people about Jesus and help others pursue God. But in the last 25 years, I can count on one hand how many times I've been worried about money. Now, I gripe about the price of gas from time to time. And I may have complained out loud about how a paper-thin burnt cheeseburger could cost $10 when I was on vacation last week. But as far as really worrying about money or losing sleep over it or arguing with my wife over it, that just doesn't happen. And I don't say that to brag. That's not because of me. That's because God in His grace and His mercy has given me the right mindset about God and money. Would you like the peace that comes with that? I want that for you. I don't want you to argue with your spouse over money. I don't want you to lose sleep over it. I want you to experience that contentment and that joy. And so that's why we're talking about this. Now this is the last week that we're going to talk about this at church. But I want to remind you, we developed a five-week series that you can find on the website. Let's back up. There we go. You can find it on the website. So we're going to talk about giving today. If you do that online series, it's also going to talk about saving. It's going to talk about spending. And so I would encourage you guys to go through that with someone that you care about. Go through that with your mentor. Go through that with a small group. If you want to get connected to a mentor to go through that, just feel free to come up to me after the service. I'll make sure we get you connected. 
or you can go to the welcome desk. I think it would be very valuable for you, though, if you don't feel like you have God and money right. Because like all of our series, the main hope we have today is that what we say today in the sermon will be catalytic for more conversations during the week. That's our hope every week, guys, that what we talk about here on Sunday, you would take home and you would talk about it so that it actually impacts the way we think and the way that we live. So let's go ahead and look at today's first point. And that's that giving is a commandment for every believer. It's not the spiritual gifting of a select few. Now in a room this size, I would say that chances are good that we have people from all different walks of life and all different points in their life financially. And so some of you here today, you're in a, you're in a great spot. You, you have more than you need. You don't have any financial pressures. And that's awesome. Like I rejoice for you. Thank God for that. Praise God for that. Some of you are in a situation where you're making ends meet, but you don't feel like there's anything left at the end of the month. And then for some of you, you're barely getting by. And you may even be on the verge of losing it all. And I recognize that, and I know that's a tight spot. I hope if that's you, that what we talked about last week gave you some hope. But the reality is, guys, it's going to be really tempting to think that this message is only for those who are wealthy. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches. So I would just caution you to remember what the Bible says, that giving is not just for the wealthy. And we'll unpack that a little bit as we go along. And I recognize that you might even tense up a little bit as I say that. You might want to get a little defensive and say, John, you don't know my situation, and you're right, I don't. But God does. And in this area of money, it's like, it's like every other area in our lives. God not only knows what's best for us, God wants what is best for us. So if God calls us to give, it's for our good. It's certainly not because he needs anything from us. <laughs> it's all his already, right? I, I love what Proverbs 11 says, verse 24 and 25. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Now, I'm not saying that we give to get, and I'm not saying that every time we give, God blesses us financially. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. Sometimes God does. But this general principle of we reap what we sow is definitely throughout Scripture. And so the more we give, in that sense, the more we get, not necessarily financially, but the blessings from God. And I've seen that play out so many times in my life. So no matter where you are today financially, if you sense God calling you to give, I would just say, don't shut him out. Let him work in your heart. Let him see what he wants to do today. And so let's go to this first passage of Scripture. And this is Paul addressing the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. He says, now I want you to know what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. We're going to unpack this, but there's so much good in there. I want to go back and talk about the backstory and the context of this. So this is the second letter 
that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. And if you know anything about the church in Corinth, you know they had some issues, right? They, they were messed up in some ways, just like every church is. There's no such thing as a perfect church because it's all made of people, right? But they had some issues, and Paul says, look, I want you to know what God in His kindness did to the churches in Macedonia. And you've heard of these churches in Macedonia. So, for example, the church in Philippi was in Macedonia. So that's the church that Paul wrote the book of Philippians to. The church in Thessalonica was in Macedonia. So that's First and Second Thessalonians. The church in Berea was in Macedonia. So these are some of the churches that Paul is talking about. And he says they were very poor. And I want you to consider the realities of what it looked like to be very poor in Paul's time are much more bleak than what it means to be very poor in 21st century America. And yet in spite of that, Paul says they were filled with abundant joy. I want you to think about that for a second. They were very poor, and Paul says they were filled with abundant joy. See, our culture would look at that, and our culture would say, well, how can that be? How could you be very poor and filled with abundant joy? But that's exactly what happened. And then that abundant joy overflowed into rich generosity from the churches in Macedonia. Because they figured out you can be generous whether you're wealthy or not. You can be generous no matter where you are financially. And then Paul says, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They weren't pressured into doing it. They weren't guilted into doing it. They didn't do it because they had to give a report at the end of the year on how much they gave. They did it of their own free will. They were cheerful givers. Now we're going to dig more into this section of 2 Corinthians, and we're even going to take a look back at 1 Corinthians. But just so you kind of know what's going on in the background of all of this, there was a famine in the land during this time. And the Christians in Jerusalem were struggling. Like they, they were desperate. Because if you think about it, the Christians in Jerusalem, they were outcasts from the Jews. But they were also outcasts from the Romans, right? So they're, they're on the margins, and so when the famine hits, they're really struggling, they're desperate. And so Paul is on his missionary journey, he's going into regions like Macedonia, and he's, he's going into the region where the church of Corinth was, and he's spreading the gospel, he's sharing the great news about Jesus Christ. And as he's doing that, he's letting these Christians know, hey look, your brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem are in a tight spot, and they're desperate. And he takes up a collection for them. He invites the other churches to give. And so that's how this church and the churches in Macedonia were responding. Now, Paul had already invited the Corinthians to give back in 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. And they didn't respond the first time Paul asked. So either they didn't give or they gave very sparingly the first time around. But you know who did give? The churches in Macedonia even though they were very poor. And we don't even see evidence that Paul asked the churches in Macedonia to give. There's nothing in his letters to the church in Philippi or the church in Thessalonica about giving, but they stepped up and they gave anyway. It says they did it because they were filled with abundant joy. See, the churches in Corinth as a whole were far richer than the churches in Macedonia. 
but they didn't respond to the invitation the first time around. And that tells us something about their heart. Because the reality is our budget is a litmus test for our heart. I know that's kind of a bold statement. I know you may want to get a little defensive when I say that, but it's true. I want you to think about your spending habits for just a minute. This is just between you and the Lord. I want you to think about the top five things you spend money on in your budget. Is the kingdom of God in there? Is it in your top 10? Is it even in your top 15? I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I just I want you to think about that. I want you to do business with God. Where does it stand? And just so we're clear, I don't think giving to Alpine is the only way to give to God's kingdom. That's not what I'm saying either. I do think, however, if Alpine is your church home, if you attend here regularly, then part of your giving that you give to the kingdom of God should be through Alpine. God is doing some awesome things here. People are coming to know Jesus as their Savior on a regular basis. People are learning how to live their lives in a way that honors God. People are being equipped to go out and help the next person do the same thing. You know, our mobile pantry is meeting physical needs of people throughout the community. And the awesome thing is, is you're a part of that. When you give of your time and of your talents and of your treasure, God actually uses you to be part of someone's miracle. What a privilege that is. You know, several years ago, I looked at my budget and I realized that my heart was in the wrong place. That this whole budget is a litmus test of your heart is 100% true. Now, I was giving regularly. I mean, from the time I got married, my wife and I made a commitment that every dollar that comes in, the first 10%, we were going to write a check to God's kingdom. We still do that. Anytime we get income, the first check we write is to God's kingdom. But what happened is over time is it just became a box to check. And in fact, I got really selfish with it. Because as I was made aware of other needs, my response was, well, I'm already giving 10%, so I'm not going to give any more. And I remember hearing a message one time from Pastor Brian, and he talked about how he and Tracy every year wanted to get better at giving. Man, that really challenged me. I had never thought about getting better at giving. And so I started praying about it. I started talking to Rhonda about it, and I said, I, I think God's calling us to up how much we give, and so we did. We stepped out in faith, and we did that. Then about two years later, we felt like God was calling us to do the same thing, and so we stepped out in faith, and we did it again. And every time, God was faithful. And now when we hear of another need, we don't just say, well, we're already giving a certain percentage. Instead, we pray about it and say, hey, God, do you want to use us to help meet this need? And every time we step out in faith and do it, he rewards us. Now, again, not always financially, sometimes financially, but the joy and the satisfaction of knowing that God is using us to answer people's prayers is awesome. And guys, it's not about the percentage. For some of you to give 10% of your income right now, you can't even imagine doing that. And maybe for the season you're in, that's not what God is calling you to do. It's not about the percentage, it's about your heart. It's your heart for the things of God. Is your heart to get better at this gracious act of giving? That's what Paul wants to do. Or sorry, that's what Paul wanted the Corinthians to do, and that's what God wants to do in your life. So let's go ahead and continue on in Paul's kind of exhortation to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now we're in verses 4 and 5, and he's talking about the churches in Macedonia here. He says, They begged us again and again 
for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Now I read this, and if I'm being honest, it's crazy to me that they begged again and again to give money. Like, I think I would have asked the first time, like, hey, Paul, can I help? And when he said no, I'd be like, all right, I offered, right? But they understood it was a privilege. See, they understood that God is faithful and he was going to move, and this was an opportunity for him to move through them. I love their perspective on it. They recognized that by giving, they were going to be part of someone's miracle. And I also love the fact that Paul says it was their first action. They didn't wait till the end of the month and see if they had anything left over to give. It was the first thing that they did. They had their priorities in order. And they did it first because they had given themselves fully to God and to his kingdom. Jesus kind of reverse engineers this in Matthew 6, 11. Sorry, 6, 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, Jesus understood that wherever our treasure goes, then the desires of our heart gravitate in that same direction. So if our treasure is going to God and to His kingdom, we're going to find the desires of our heart start to gravitate more to God and more to His kingdom and more to His purposes. And Jesus always speaks truth, so this is something we can trust Him in. So if you find yourself struggling in your relationship with God or you don't feel connected with Him, one question I would ask is, are you giving to His kingdom? Because if you give to His kingdom, you're going to find the desires of your heart are going to start gravitating to what God cares about. You're going to enjoy a deeper fellowship with Him, deeper communication with Him. So that's why Paul warned in his letter to Timothy that the love of money is the root of every kind of evil. Because if the desires of our heart get away from God, right? If our treasure is away from God, the desires of our heart are going to drift away from God. They're going to get into worldly things. That's why this is such an important topic. That's why we're talking about this. Again, that's why we're going through this series. Look, we know talking about money can be uncomfortable. I get it. You know, I didn't teach the opening series here in Logan. I did it down in Layton, but I opened up by saying, hey, we're going to talk about God and money, and then I just paused. And I said, did you feel that? Did you feel the environment just changing here a little bit, right? I get it. It's uncomfortable. Guys, again, I'm saying it because I want the best for you. It's for your good. Let's end with this last point. Leverage the power of habit for God's purposes, not our pleasure. Leverage the power of habit for God's purposes, not our pleasure. Here's where we get very, very practical. I would challenge some of you, if you've never done this, to put together a budget. I know budgets aren't fun. (laughs) I know they're cumbersome. I know sometimes they're disheartening. But we can't get honest about our finances and honest about where our heart is with our finances until we know where the money's coming in and where the money's going out. And that's one of the great things on the online series that we did. There's a great spreadsheet budgeting tool that you can use for free if you've never sat down and done a budget. But I, I encourage you to do that. And I think for some of you, and I, I don't mean to pick on you, but you're going to be shocked at how many more things get your resources than the kingdom of God does. How much your pleasure is what is fed by your habits versus God's kingdom. 
And if you find that's the case, don't beat yourself up. Again, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel shamed into giving. I just want the best for you. I want you to get better at it. I want you to excel in this act of giving because it will bring you more joy. Because in the long run, you'll be more satisfied. You'll have more enjoyment, more contentment. Now here's what it looks like if we're going to budget with Christian priorities. So this is Christian budgeting priorities. Give, save, spend. If you looked up any budgeting book in the world from a secular standpoint, you probably wouldn't see give on there. And if you did, it would be at the bottom. But when we put together a budget, giving should be the first thing we have in mind. Now I'm not saying that that means we give more than we save or spend. At the beginning, that's probably not going to be possible for most of you. I think it's a great goal to work towards over time. But I am saying we should think about giving first when we're putting our budget together. We should build our budget around the idea of giving. Because as a follower of Jesus, that should be our first priority because Jesus was a giver. Jesus gave us everything at the cross. See, Paul had reached out to the Corinthians earlier, as I mentioned. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians. And he says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money that you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to use habit. He's trying to get them to do it regularly. And he says, do it on the first day of the week. In other words, it's the first thing that you should do. It should be the same for us. Now, it shouldn't turn into just a box to check like I did for so many years. We still need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. We still need to be prayerful about other opportunities to, to engage and to be giving. But it should be regular, and it's something that we should make at the top of the list. It should be first. If, he had, if they had responded to that warning in 1 Corinthians, he wouldn't have had to bring it up again in 2 Corinthians, but obviously they didn't. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul is reaching out to him again. He says... Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Paul told the church in Corinth, you guys have so much going for you. You excel in so many ways. You excel in your faith, in your gifted speakers, and your enthusiasm, and your knowledge. And he says, I want you to also excel in this gift of giving. And why did he want them to do that? Because he wanted them to experience the same kind of joy the churches in Macedonia had experienced. See, Paul wasn't doing it because he wanted something from them. Paul was challenging them because he wanted something for them. Paul wanted the best for them. Just like, I want the best for you. So even though money can be uncomfortable, guys, i got to be honest, I have no problem at all standing up here and challenging you to get better at this gift of giving. Because I know what it'll do for you. I know what it'll do in your life. See, just like the church in Corinth, we excel in a lot of ways. God has blessed us in so many ways. And some of you excel in the gift of giving, and praise God for that. But as a church, we don't excel in the gift of giving. In fact, for a church our size, our giving is below average for this country. I don't think we're below average in anything else. I don't think we're below average in the way that we serve. I don't think we're below average in the way that we offer connection. I don't think our worship is below average. I don't think our teaching is below average. 
although it's close when I'm up here. <laughs> but I don't think we're below average in anything else we do, but we are in our giving. And the reason I want us to get better at it is because I want you to have more joy. Just like Paul wanted for the church in Corinth. See, the more we learn to give, the more joy and contentment that we have. The reality is we serve a big God who has unlimited resources. He doesn't need anything from us. And I can promise you that He loves His church even more than we do. I take great comfort in that all the time. Anytime I feel like things aren't going well or, man, what are we going to do here? I just I remind myself that God loves His church even more than I do. So He's going to do what He's going to do, but He's inviting you to be a part of it. He's inviting you to be a part of someone's miracle. We get opportunities every day to do that. Don't miss out on those opportunities because I promise you when you step up and you are part of someone's miracle, the joy and the contentment that you get, you can't buy that. You know, when the last round of stimulus checks came out, I had a couple of of families, a couple of couples who contacted me and said, hey, Pastor John, we want to give this money away or at least a big part of it. We don't, need, we don't need it all. We feel like God is calling us to give some of this away. Do you know of some families in the church who could use it? And I said, yeah, I, I know a couple of families who are in a pretty tough spot, and they said, we would love for you to give it to them. Would you give it to them because we want to remain anonymous? So I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So I, I go out to the house, I knock on the door, mom and dad let me in, and, and I hand them $600. And they start crying. And then I start crying. And I'm an ugly crier. Snot, you know, it's, it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> and they said, just yesterday, our car broke down. And the bill is $592. And so we prayed last night that God would work a miracle. <laughs> what a faith-building moment for that family. So then I go back and tell the other couple, right, who gave the money. Because I was just the delivery guy. I didn't give it. And they start crying. And I'm like, let's not go down that road again. (laughs) But that joy, that excitement that that couple experienced, guys, you can't buy that. Because they wanted to get better at the gift of giving. I want to wrap up with one more passage. Actually, maybe two. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Remember this principle of reaping and sowing. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now listen to this last part, guys. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I love that Paul stresses that at the end. We see this principle again that we reap what we sow. It's a general principle. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one ratio every time, but a general principle is we reap what we sow. If we sow little... We're going to reap little. And I love that Paul clearly communicates at the end, do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure. If I have pressured you in any way, do not give. Now, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you, that's a different story, that I want you to do business with the Holy Spirit. But do not respond because you feel like I pressured you to give. I don't know how to say it any more clearly than that. And then one other thing I want to talk about, you may have noticed that I I didn't encourage anyone here to tithe. So if you're new to church, if if you're checking out this whole Christianity thing, a a tithe is when you give 10% of your income. Now from a lot of time studying the scriptures on this subject, I don't believe that a New Testament Christian is bound to tithe. 
We're not bound under the old covenant, so I don't think we're called to tithe. But I think there are a lot of Old Testament principles that are instructive for us, and I think the tithe is one of them. I think the idea of first fruits is one of them. That's why I think we should give first. So I don't want to be dogmatic about a tithe. I think a tithe is a good benchmark. But don't be like me. If you're already giving 10%, don't shut God out and say, well, I'm already tithing, so I'm done. Let God lead you in how much he's calling you to give. For some of you, a 3% would be a huge gift right now in your financial situation. Whatever you feel God is calling you to do, just step out in faith and then watch how he comes through. Here's one thing that I'm convinced of because I've seen it happen in my life over and over and over again. When we step out in faith, God is always faithful. Some of you have never had an opportunity to really see God show up in your finances because you've never taken a chance with him. You've always played it safe. So he never had to step in. So I really think for some of you, God's calling you to do something crazy. Step out in faith and see how he's going to show up. And I do want to finish with one, one more verse here. 2 Corinthians 9 and then it's verse 8. It says, And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, this is why we can put giving first because God is so generous with us. That God will supply all of our needs and then we will have plenty left over to share with others. God is so generous, guys. And God is so faithful. You know, before I went into ministry, I think a lot of you know kind of my backstory, but I was in I was self-employed and I was in a straight commission industry for 17 years before I went into ministry. 80% of my annual revenue was dependent on four conferences. Like it, they, everything rode on that. If any one of those four conferences on an annual basis was a bust, it, it would have been terrible. We put on 62 of those and never had a bad one. And it's not because we were amazing. It's because God is so faithful. And every time God would call us to step out in faith and, and give, when we would obey, when we'd step out in faith, he always showed up in an amazing way. I have stories that would just blow your mind. I have stories of, of God calling us to give and things were tight, but we felt like God was calling us to give, so we give. And the very next day, we were at Walmart checking out and a complete stranger comes up and throws his Visa card and says, I want to get your groceries for you. And my wife and I are bawling in the checkout line at Walmart. <laughs> I must cry a lot more than I thought I did. <laughs> because God is so faithful. So I encourage you to step out this week. I just want to wrap up with this, guys. Anytime you doubt God's generosity, I want you to think about the cross. Because at the cross, God gave everything. He gave everything for us. And as you and I become more and more like Jesus we're going to give more and more like Jesus and that's going to lead to more and more joy just like it did for the Macedonians let's pray God as I, as I think about this idea of giving God I just go back to the cross I go back to your generosity that is just mind blowing that the almighty God of heaven would come down and take on flesh and live a perfect life and then would go to the cross and be tortured and killed and sacrificed for me. And God, we can never repay you for that. We can never outgive you 
You are so generous. God, I pray that you would bring us the joy that comes when we get God and money right. God, that that truly is my heart here today. For anyone who's here today who's like, man, this is why I don't come to church because they only talk about money. Well, first off, this is the only series we've done on money the whole year. But number two, we're talking about it because we want something for them. We want them to experience that joy and satisfaction and contentment that comes when we know who's in control of our finances, and that is you. And so, God, for those of us who need to step up our giving, I just pray that we would do it, but we do it for the right reasons, because we want to. And, God, I pray for anyone who steps out in faith in the coming weeks in this area of their life that you would show up in a powerful way, that it would give them one of these just faith stories like this family who needed the car repair, that they would see you show up in their lives. God, we love you. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.